what's the rationale for this movement? Is there a reason? Like, does it pass the why test? Because if you can't answer why you're doing a certain exercise, then there's probably a good argument that you really don't need to do it. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, TRX developer and educator Fraser Quelch talks the real origins of TRX, or should that be TravelX? foundational movements and how this fitness tool can be used with everyone, from clients with MS to elite athletes. With Network's Rachel Livingston. Welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. And today I'm talking with Fraser Quelch, who is a functional training expert and a founding member of the revolutionary TRX, a piece of equipment that we all love to use. So today we're going to be talking about body weight training and TRX. So really excited to have you here, Fraser. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Let me start by asking you, why would we choose body weight and TRX exercises over using more traditional equipment? Well, I don't know that you choose it over it. It's a part of uh, it's it's a part of it. I mean, there is a bunch of research supporting the use of suspension training movements when compared to traditional exercise. Where, so I'll, I'll give you some of the highlights of it. Anyway, the the research has shown that it uh, has exactly the same effects. The body will respond to suspension training movements the same way it will to more traditional exercises. There's some benefits to it's shown that there's increased core activation across a bunch of different exercises when EMG studies have been conducted when compared to traditional exercise. And then there's also been some really interesting hormonal findings around it where suspension training exercises uh, resulted in the same kind of anabolic response to to exercise, but without uh, the increases in, in insulin that we tend to see with uh, traditional exercise, which is really, really exciting. Or sorry, cortisol, not insulin. My mind's in another spot. Yeah, so without the increases in cortisol that we normally see, the stress hormone associated with more traditional load-bearing exercises, we've seen a much lower levels in, in cortisol with uh, suspension training exercises, which has have some ex- really exciting implications. Mm, that's really interesting from a trainer's perspective, you know, how we can think about using that with different clients then. Um, next, can I ask you, who can we use the TRX with and, and what benefit would it have to um, more of those specific groups that personal trainers might be training? Well, I think one of the one of the really interesting things about the suspension trainer and one of the first findings that I had when I first started using it 14 years ago as, as I was introduced to it by our, by our founder, uh, Randy Hetrick, was that... Uh, I was able to use it with everybody. I was had my own personal training uh, practice at the time, and and uh, had clients from every ability level to from very very high athletes, high level athletes, all the way down to the most deconditioned or rehabilitative uh, people you can imagine. And and I was found I was able to use it not only use it with everybody, but scale it for everyone so it could meet them exactly where where they were. And in some cases, solve for things that I was struggling to solve uh, for with with other more traditional exercises because it's 
intrinsic using your own body weight as resistance as opposed to an extrinsic force, which in some cases wasn't really appropriate for those lower level people. So it's, it was very, very interesting and exciting to be able to have one piece of equipment that could address so many different folks. And it is for us trainers as well, who, you know, many are not based within a gym. It's a mobile piece of equipment that we can put in a bag. And I know that was one of the things that I loved about it. You know, you can take it anywhere. You can use it at home. You can take it to the park, someone's house, or you can put it in your gym environment. Is that something you thought about in in the design, do you think? Uh, I'm certain it was thought of uh, because that was really, well, first of all, the first name of the product, because we went through several different brand iterations as we went along, was a Travel-X. And uh, it was designed so the, the original founder, Randy Hetrick, was a Navy SEAL with the United States uh, military. And so he developed it or invented it out of necessity while deployed with the SEALs in a wharfside warehouse where he was you know, squirreled away where no one could, could see he and his team. And, and their operation was delayed first a day and then several days and ended up being delayed several weeks before they finally uh, ended up just, just uh, exiting out. But in those three weeks, he was very concerned that they were uh, losing operational readiness uh, in that they weren't going to be able, they were losing fitness, weren't going to be able to, uh, to execute what they were going to need to do as a high level, which involved something akin to a modern-day grappling hook over the top of a, a moving ship and then going hand over hand up that rope to gain access to the deck of the ship and then, and then perform what, whatever it was they needed to do. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, designed as a very portable lightweight piece of equipment that could be utilized anywhere to begin with. And even it's from a business perspective, its original inception was going to be targeted at the business traveler who was going to be out on the road, staying in a hotel room, access to either no fitness facility or uh, an insufficient little hotel fitness facility. And and uh, that was the, that was the whole first business model before really I got my hands on it and and kind of open the doors as to what its what its application would be into the professional fitness world. So, absolutely, it was uh, definitely something. The portability of it was something that wasn't only thought of. It was the whole original idea, and then it really morphed back the other way and, and became widely adopted as a professional fitness tool first. That's actually really interesting to hear about the Navy SEALs. I had heard that story that, you know, the Navy SEALs trained with the TRX and I wasn't sure if it was urban myth, but so now I can say we really are using the same equipment as the Navy SEALs. Absolutely. <laughs> the very first one was, uh, was as I said, they were, they were squirreled away in this little warehouse and, and as time went on, they got concerned. And so Randy rummaged around in his deployment bag and found some excess parachute riser webbing that they always have with them and somehow his blue jujitsu belt had gotten, you know, wrapped up in, in his deployment gear. And so he, he fashioned together the two of them and tied a knot in the, uh, in the, in the webbing and threw it over top of the door and used the jujitsu belt to, to hang on to. And we actually still have, then we got back to, to his base. He ended up spending some time kind of doing some stitching and developing some different ways to, to hang it, still using the blue jujitsu belt. And we still have that, uh, that strap hanging in the office today. I think one day that'll make it into a fitness museum. At some point. <laughs> so can I also ask you then, now we, we recognize that the TRX is a widely used tool within the fitness industry. What should a personal trainer bear in mind when they're introducing a client to the TRX for the first time? You know, the, the, it's interesting. In the early days, there was some uh, some questions as, is this, is this uh, device safe? Will people be okay with it? Uh, how do we go about using it with uh, more deconditioned people, or is it appropriate at all to use with deconditioned people? And the giant irony is that that it 
it actually spends one of the things it's best at is unloading the body where, uh, where there's, there's actually less load and it's very, very easy to unload body weight to make the suspension trainer as easy as possible. And so it's, it's actually more safe than traditional exercise in many, many ways. But because it was perceived as that the, what was pictured was a very hard exercise because as I said, it could scale all the way up to the best athletes in the world and has Michael Phelps being one of the ones that have used it before and, and many of the athletes in, in the top leagues all over the world. But you know, the most important thing is the same as with any exercise is what movement is appropriate for my client? What level are they at? What regression or progression am I going to use that's going to meet them where they are? Let me show them the easiest version of, of the movement, making sure that, uh, you know, do they have the, do they understand the foundation movement standards that this exercise belongs under? If they don't, let's teach them those standards. Then let's apply the movement to it. We're changing the conditions in that way. And then slowly that, that person gets better and better and better at their movement. And really, when we think about, we think about, uh, training and exercise is just that exercise. But the reality is it's practice. It's practice just like any athletic skill. And so, you know, you wouldn't try and learn an advanced athletic skill before learning the basic athletic skill first. And we sometimes miss that in fitness, I think, traditionally. But it's it goes back to the same approach we do to teach skill in any sport is what's the foundation in, in fitness, we look at global foundational movements like squatting and hinging and lunging and pushing and pulling and rotating, etc. And so do people understand the mechanics of that? And then do trainers understand how to actually coach those things to a high level? And we spend a lot of our time in our education addressing exactly that. Like, hey, here are the foundational movements. Let's talk about some nuances and some 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 finer points around those foundational movements so we can teach them at a really high level. And it turns out that the suspension trainer is an exceptional tool to help us teach those at foundation movements because you can unload it so much, you know? So I would, I would say that the suspension trainer is a perfect modality to introduce pretty much any movements because you can unload it so much and it does do so many of the foundational movements very, very well. I couldn't agree more as someone on the ground who hadn't heard it officially like that, but had just found that that, that was the truth about it. So seeing as we've established that the TRX is useful to both the elite athlete and specific populations, could you give us some examples of maybe elite modalities of uh, sport that it's been used with or, or people or um, some specific populations? I know like I've used it with someone with MS to support them whilst they're doing a squat or something like that. Do you have any interesting ones you could share with us for sure on the uh on the on the lower level when i say lower level i mean the people who are deconditioned or coming back from injury or have a condition that they're trying to work their way through i've also used it with some people with ms and and unbelievably managed to increase muscle function with someone who should have a degenerative disease where muscle function tends to not get better it gets worse just because it, your body has an opportunity to be so reactive but you can keep you can keep someone in a safe unloaded environment where it's like they feel like they can do the exercise and somehow some of those nervous uh, signals do get through to muscles that just haven't been able to get through to in a little while. I mean, you're not going to make leaps and bounds with someone with MS, but you can, you can extend their, you can extend their functionality. Um, and, and for, I mean, who knows how long it's, I don't think it's been studied actively, but very interesting. So we've had some success there. We've done lots of work with wounded warriors coming from the military background that, uh, that the company was founded on. Uh, we've done a lot of work with people coming back from um, 
from war areas with with severe injuries and and people who have got complete loss of sight. We've worked with them because they can they can touch it and feel it, and and uh, they don't have to go and find something or pick it up. It's in their hands. They can change it. It's they don't have to lose contact with it and then find it again. Uh, we worked with a, a guy named Ryan Job, who. Uh, Sadly, isn't ended up with complications and isn't with us anymore. But um, really, gave him a new lease on life when he came back from, I believe it was, uh, it might have been Afghanistan. But regardless, he would he had a head injury. He was he had uh, suffered a gunshot to the head and and was instantly blind. But he'd recovered, and what it allowed him to do was train with his old unit friends was that when when they came back and and made him feel like he could be part of the community and he could be an elite person again himself and he ended up uh, climbing mount rainier as a one of the first blind ascents i think of of the mountain and we helped him train for that so there's an example an extreme example of someone who's coming back from injury but loads and loads of wounded warriors we've worked with with all of the stuff they come back with amputees and and all of the other things that they're dealing with um, traumatic stress disorder etc uh, we've worked with uh, older with with older people a lot. We did a study a long time ago now with the University of um, San Francisco, where they studied uh, they did a study with eight, eight people who were eighty or over who had recently suffered a fall, an injury fall, and uh, they put them on a TRX program and then looked at their they had functional tests that they performed, and we saw great results to those functional tests. After I believe it was, an, I have to look at the at the paper, but I think it was an eight week or twelve week study of of exercise, and they all did a lot better afterwards. So there's another example, and the list go on and on and on. We've done a, we've done a lot of work with with a bunch of different people with with injuries and 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 conditions, and then on the high end, I mean, there's almost not a sport that we've not worked with. I mentioned Michael Phelps a little bit earlier. He used it to prepare for the last two and maybe even three Olympics. Uh, we've got a great relationship with Under Armour and it's in all of their training facilities and they're working with, with some of the best athletes in the world. People uh, from, from basketball, guys like Steph Curry and LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade and, and many, many others. Some of the biggest names in the game are using the suspension trainer as part of what they're doing for their own training. In um, American football, we've it's used right across the entire league with um, big examples of guys like Drew Brees, who's a, a award-winning or a championship quarterback, and a bunch of others uh, from the uh, the proper football world. We've worked with uh, Liverpool and with Manchester City and a number of other places. So, again, the the list is exhaustive. Major League Baseball. Um, there's some stuff we've done with rugby in the UK. So I, I could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah, I think the take-home message there for trainers is when it comes to the TRX, just think outside the box because it has something to offer just about every one of their clients. Well, and that's, I think, one of the coolest things about it. One of the biggest challenges is when you have something that can do so much, it's difficult to communicate to each one of those populations how it could be for them, which is why, you know, to begin with, the, the perception was, hey, this is just a hardcore piece of equipment that can be only used for the very elite. And people completely missed the boat that, and we didn't communicate well that, well, wait a minute, it can, it's, it's a perfect tool for people who are not on that high functioning level. They're somewhere on the other end or in the middle of the continuum. The biggest thing is, is understand how to coach those foundational movements at a high level. If you know how to, if you really understand how to do them, then it gives you access to coach thousands of movements, exercises very, very well, because they all fall under one of those uh, foundational movement elements, which is what our entire education is based around. Our, our TRX courses at bunch of different levels and uh so yeah think out of the box but there's no need to turn into a circus you know <laughs> I mean? and that's and that's that's the other side of it you can go on youtube and type in trx and you can see 
you know, the, the theme music should be, because it's, it's insane. It doesn't need to be, you don't have to, the first question you should, if you're, if you're being creative, which is great, think, you know, okay, is what's the rationale for this movement? Is there a reason? Like, does it pass the why test? Cause if you can't answer why you're doing a certain exercise, then there's probably a good argument that you really don't need to do it. Not that you shouldn't do it, but there's probably not necessary. And definitely some of the things that I see when people are trying to be, and hey, creativity is a process of, of pushing the envelope and, and part of that process is going too far. The thing that's important is realizing when we have gone too far and, and being away from our ego enough to know when to step back. And, and I think that's, if we keep weighing it against the, what's the benefit of this exercise? What am I doing it for? Can my client actually do this? Have they earned the right to do this exercise? Are they just doing it because it's there? Um, which is goes back to that concept of practice that we talked about, right? I mean, there's all kinds of exercises that out there that you, know, you could do them, but why would you? They fall in that category, and and most of the circus exercises fall in in that core. Yeah, they can be done, and as a feat of strength or a feat of gymnastics of gymnastic ability, that's great. But would you really program them? What's the benefit, and what's the risk? If the risk is is just as high as a benefit, then maybe you should question whether or not you're doing it. It's necessary, you know. And if it is, great you know, rock it out. Or if you just want that challenge, you can do it safely. You've earned the right to progress to it. Awesome. I mean, good, all the more power to you, but just be aware of if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you've earned the right to be there. Really great advice, Fraser. Thank you for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. I hope to do it again. And thank you everyone else for joining us on the Fitness Industry Podcast. For a huge range of online courses focusing on program design and PT business development, including the Functional Trainer and Elite Strength Coach specialization courses, fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the Network website and select the Courses tab. And remember, Network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career.